0: Operations Technical Training School. So, in our business, national security, where our job is to fly,
1: fight, win, we better be masters at this game of innovation. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality.
0: <laughs> this is the Developing Mach 21 Airmen podcast. Hey everybody, welcome in to the Developing Mach 21 Airmen podcast, and thanks for the subscribe, stream, or download. If you get a chance to throw us some stars or even a review, we certainly would appreciate that as well. My name is Dan Hawkins from the Air Education and Training Command Public Affairs Office, and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing Total Force Big A Airmen insight, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from the recruiting training and education world and also across the entire air force so glad you could join us today we got a great lineup for you here on episode number two of developing mach 21 airmen we're talking about all things related to being a recruiter with two ncos with a ton of experience technical sergeant christian Manuel, a recruiting screening team NCO, and technical sergeant megan roberts the prior service program manager both of them from the air force recruiting service headquarters right here at joint base san antonio randolph jump on the podcast today talking about the dsd process for recruiters what qualities make up the best recruiters and even some of the pros and cons to being in the recruiting career field we also Take some time and dive into the training that it takes to become a a recruiter as well as the business end or goals, if you will, of recruiting, as well as some of the things that you can take back to your operational career field after your tour in recruiting is up. Recruiting is so important to the overall mission of Air Education and Training Command. Our mission statement is to recruit, train, and educate airmen to deliver 21st century air power. Well, it's obvious you can't get to the train and educate piece of what we do here in the first command without first having airmen in place to actually go and do that training. And that's why you need the recruiters. Our recruiting professionals brought in close to 30,000 airmen into the Air Force in fiscal year 2018, continuing a trend upward as the Air Force continues to grow its active duty strength. To bring in those kinds of accessioning numbers, the Air Force Recruiting Service really needs quality airmen to serve as recruiters across the country to continue to inspire, engage, and recruit, providing the Air Force with the airmen that we need to deliver that 21st century air power. So without further ado, here's Technical Sergeant Manuel and Technical Sergeant Roberts to talk all things recruiting Episode 2 of Developing Mach 21 Airmen starts right
1: now. So, Sergeant Manuel, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into recruiting. Sure thing. Thanks, Dan, for having us. Uh, Well, Sergeant Christian Manuel, I've been recruiting since 2006. I'm originally from San Francisco, California. Um, So you started as an avionics troop uh, in Barksdale Air Force Base. I decided I wanted to do a little something different, uh, so I decided to volunteer as a recruiter. And I was recruiting in Los Angeles. After that, I did various careers such as training, marketing, logistics. And currently now, I'm actually working in the DSD program for recruiting. And Sergeant Roberts here with us. Tell us a
0: little bit about yourself and how you got into recruiting.
2: Good afternoon. I'm Sergeant Megan Roberts. I'm originally from Indiana. I started off the Air Force my career doing six years as security forces. Um, I got picked up to be a recruiter four years ago. I did my first step of recruiting, so I listed sessions in San Antonio, and then I'm at Headquarters Air Force Recruiting doing the Prior Service Program, So, and I have two little ones, and I'm married to an active duty member as well.
0: Well, we're here today kind of specifically to talk about the recruiting and the DSD program. So, Emmanuel, you said that you're specifically working on that, so I think... For a lot of people who may not understand what the developmental special duty process is, could you kind of talk us through that a little bit and how it works overall and then how recruiting uh, works up into that DSD process?
1: Sure, sure. So the DSD program, it's the developmental special duty program. What that program is designed to do is to fill career fields that need people to do. Uh, It's special duty, so those career fields are not like your normal AFSCs. So it's there to fill that requirement, basically. So. And so when
0: someone is in the program, or how does that process work? How does someone get into the DSD
1: process? Are they nominated? How does that all process work? Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, WINGS are, are, are nominate individuals that meet certain criterias to fill those positions. So once they garner those names, the names are forwarded up to the various entities of the Air Force for approval.
0: So there's a quite a few different jobs that actually have this DSD process, technical training instructor, BMT, but when you talk about a prime candidate uh, who would make a good recruiter, what kind of candidate are we looking for um, from a recruiting perspective to
1: go out and recruit the next generation of airmen? Sure, sure. So we use the something called the Specat, the Special Category Guide. So that, that actually lists out what qualifies to become a recruiter. So the various things as second-term Airman, uh, staff select with ALS completed, um, exemplary image. Um, we also take a look at your your health records as well. So that's what the special special category uh, duty catalog does. However, when it comes to recruiting itself, we also look for a person that has a a personality. So, someone that could talk and listen, and someone that could also pay attention to detail. Because recruiting is it's a it's a challenging job, honestly. So, so you talked a little bit about the qualifications in the SPKAT for
0: the things you need to. To be, uh, to have, to be qualifying as a recruiter, but we talk a little bit about the intangibles, and I would think that public speaking or or the fear of public speaking might be something that could be an issue. Um, Is that an issue, and how are those kinds of things looked at uh, from a recruiting
1: perspective?
2: You definitely need to be an outgoing person. you got to be able to like people, be around people. You're going to have to go into schools and talk to counselors. You're going to have to get up in front of people and do speeches, so you need to be comfortable in those types of situations. not saying that you can't learn those things or become more adaptive to them, but you need to be comfortable to be able to be open to it.
0: And I know we're going to talk about this maybe a little bit later in the podcast, but Part of the training for recruiters does include some of these things, like the intangible things that we're talking about. But so maybe public speaking is one. But what about from like a confidence perspective? What are you looking for in a recruiter? What kind of NCO or even uh, you know is a recruiter? What makes up the ideal recruiter?
2: Seeing somebody that's got a very positive attitude. You're getting ready to talk to the community, and you're going to sell them on the Air Force. So. You're going to sell something you're going to make sure that you love the air force too i love the air force i've been doing it for 10 years i'm going to express that enthusiasm out to my applicants not to those parents to show them how much that i care about the career field um, that i'm in i care about the air force and i care about them and want their process to go well as well to get them into our air force
1: yeah so attitude is probably one of the bottom lines that's very important in recruiting however you also have to be knowledgeable on knowing what you're selling to the public um, we, we in recruiting school you learn certain things there's an acronym called matters each letter stands for things that we sell money advancement training recreation education security and satisfaction and know that's a lot so uh, those are things that you learn um, you got to be knowledgeable in that and basically when you're out in the public you are the Air Force to these people and sometimes, sometimes they don't know everyone thinks we're pilots That's not true at all, obviously. So uh, being knowledgeable and knowing what you're selling and knowing how the Air Force works definitely helps. So I think in any job,
0: it doesn't matter what your AFSC is, whether you're security forces or you're avionics or you're now in recruiting, every job has a pros and a cons list. So I just kind of wanted to maybe talk a little bit about both sides of the coin of being in recruiting to kind of paint that even picture of, of what a recruiter can expect from, you know, being uh, on the positive side of things and then some of the drawbacks and, and how as, as successful recruiters do you kind of balance that out and, and do the job that needs to be done in terms of recruiting?
2: So um, pros, I think the biggest thing that uh, makes this job enjoyable is watching those kids faces whenever they come home um, in their uniforms that come back to the recruiter assistance program or you see a mom or dad come to your office and they just want to give you the biggest hug and thank you for, helping their kid get into the Air Force now that they're airmen, that's the that's heartwarming and sometimes it gives you chills. Like it gives me chills right now talking about it seeing some of the parents that come into my office whenever I did the list of sessions recruiting. That was the best part of it. Um, special duty pay, also yeah, a big nice. thing. Um, that helps out whenever you're in recruiting for being special duty. How much
0: is that? Like what are we talking here about? If you're in
2: here? The list of sessions, it's going to be four fifty. For some of the tier twos that you go into it will be 350. It's at 350, I think is what it is. Oh. Yeah. Um some cons. You do have a phone that goes home with you. Um, that phone can ring all the time, but you just gotta set boundaries. You gotta set um hey, this is my office hours, this is when I'll be answering my phones. Another pro. You make your own schedule. So um within reason with it with your flight chief, you are the one that sets those office hours. You um Control the ball whenever it comes to doing what you need to do So if you are gonna do your PT from 2 to 3 and then you're gonna come back to the office Then you're gonna leave the office and go do your PT for the day. So it's kind of nice to be able to have that autonomy
0: so like And again every day could be a little bit different, but what what is a typical day for a recruiter? What
1: does that feel like? What does it feel like? So it's a lot of mixed emotions because you're dealing with people, and when you deal with people, people like to see. I won't say like to see, but it would be to your advantage if you have a outgoing personality. You have you're representing the Air Force, so you can't be showing up to the office with a mug face or showing up to marketing events and not liking your job. So sometimes you just got to do your job, and lack of a better word, suck it up. So. So, in line with that, like, you know,
0: obviously, there's certain events you're going to go to, and the process for getting um, a lead on one recruit may be different today because maybe you're at an air show, or maybe you went to a sporting event, or maybe somebody's parents brought them into the recruiting station and said, "Hey, please talk to my, you know, son or daughter because they're interested in joining the military." So, you know, when you look at all the different ways that You have to interact with people as a recruiter. Um, What would you say um, is maybe the biggest strength you can have as a recruiter when it comes to your ability to kind of handle flexibility and change? Because I would guess not every day is going to be the same, even though it may seem like it would be. I don't think it is. Is that true or false?
2: Every day you got to put your game face on. Like There are baby days where I'm like, I don't want to come in here. I don't want to do this. But as soon as an applicant walks in the door, you got to put that smile on because I wasn't in a rural area where the Air Force was unknown, but there's recruiters out there that maybe they're the only person, this is the Air Force to them, like they don't want to have that first impression of, oh, this recruiter is not happy and they don't want to be here. I'm probably going to go to the next branch. So you got to keep, you got to make sure you got your game face on every day.
1: Very true, very true. So uh, so as as an important tool, I, I, listening, that's like taking the time to listen to your applicant's situation is probably the most important tool, so it's time and listening, but that's that's something we don't have enough of, is time. So, we're taught to do the right things to create more time for yourself to do your job more effectively. I was looking uh,
0: through the bullet background paper that you guys sent me before we sat down for the podcast. and. You know, we talked about the pros and cons list, but um, flexibility, obviously, uh, an important attribute to being a recruiter. But, you know, I was looking at, you talked about the special duty pay, but I would think maybe another big draw for being a recruiter is the, the family stability aspect of being in recruiting. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that looks like?
2: There's no deployments while you're in the enlisted sessions recruiting, so you don't have to worry about it. You're going to be in the, the controlled tour so you know that you're not going to be deployed. you get going to be able to spend time with your family as well. Anything else?
0: So a typical day for a recruiter, what does that look and feel like? What is, what, is, what is a typical day for you as a recruiter?
2: So um, some days you may be going to school visits. You may be doing a presentation. You could be setting up during a lunchroom visit. Um, you could be setting up an appointment thereafter, doing appointments for applicants, starting their processing. We have different days where we do marketing events, and maybe within – your your town or it could be in one of the larger cities I've done for the National Hockey League I've been out there with my applicants and did huge swear-ins for them I've been to the Spurs basketball games out on the court um, where they've done different swear-in events um, so there's all kinds of different things that you get involved with um, with marketing and with your community as well mm-hmm.
1: so when I was a recruiter in Los Angeles um, and typically your, your days are planned out so everything's supposed to happen the way it is right yeah not true so normally we would like to do your admin in the morning have maybe a morning appointment oh i got to do a school visit and when our school visits during lunchtime, uh after lunch well i got to eat so we all have to eat so we actually have to plan that in our planning guide so yeah and then after that we would have maybe have an afternoon appointment maybe there's some there's a term called zone posting or zone canvassing this is where we're out in the community painting a picture of the Air Force and putting literature out there, shaking hands and just getting to know the community. So, um, you know, sometimes hours can get late because people work, people have lives, like just like everyone in in the community. So we may have to stay a little bit later to hold those appointments to put people in the Air Force. So that's, my typical day was like that. Uh, A lot of it was sitting in traffic (laughs) <laughs> or a lot of uh, delivering people from point A to point B, like, for example, to MEPS, or dropping off a document from point A to point B. So just just make sure you get the job done. So, But it kind of goes back to that autonomy
0: part that you talked about of being able, in essence, to kind of run your own business, so to speak. You have your office hours, but you do what you have to do to get the mission done. And there's, there's a certain amount of freedom that comes with setting your own schedule and, and doing things the way you like to do them per se. So like, uh, how much of that do you get in that job? How much autonomy and freedom do you get uh, as a frontline out on the street recruiter um, You know, as you put together your plan and how you're going to approach getting new recruits?
2: So you're probably your first six months of recruiting, you're going to hate it because you're not going to know how to do anything with time management. And you're going to be like, I'm going to go back to my career field right now. How, how can I get there? I think all of us have went through it, um, but once you get the hang of time management and being able to understand, okay, I've got a plan on my events, not only do I play them, I actually have to perform these events, i got to make goal. So once you get all that down, you get it in the swing of things, you can have as much autonomy as you need as long as you're making, you're getting all that done, checking all your boxes, going to your school visits, doing your community events, making goal you know, a lot true. of time.
1: That's very true. So, like, like, just like Megan said, recruiting is like running your own business, I mean, I would suggest to try to enlist other people to help you to do your job. I mean, for example, we have people called rappers, recruiter assistance personnel that come in from basic training and tech school that you put in the Air Force and they're there to help you assist with your recruiting efforts as well. So autonomous, yes, we love when rappers come in because we can tell them to deliver person from point A to point B, documents from there to here, Uh, do a school visit so you don't have to do as much talking so that's what we do a lot of talking and recruiting so
0: so and i do want to touch on it but you did talk you you mentioned the word goal so what does that mean truly for a recruiter uh is it i mean is that like you know a bad thing like what is your goal what are you trying to do as a recruiter and and how how do you manage everything you have to do and, and work to meet those goals
2: It's not a bad thing. It's based off of your area. So what your area um, has normally produced um, throughout. Yeah. Within a certain amount of time. Um, My goal in San Antonio was a three or four. So every month I had to put three or four people into the Air Force. It didn't really change. So every month I knew I got to at least have four people to be able to book jobs, to be able to leave for the Air Force, to go to basic Mm -hmm. training. So you kind of know what your goal is going to be. It's not going to be crazy where one month you got to – a one in the next month, you have six, so it usually stays pretty consistent.
1: So, when we talk about goal or quota, people, I know that's just a negative term now, but we call it goal. The Air Force has a big goal, for example, three hundred thousand per year. Those goals go down to to the groups, and then the groups go down to. I know I may have said three hundred thousand, but a number, okay? <laughs> so. Those numbers go down to the, the various groups, then the various squadrons, then the number goes down to your flights, then the numbers go down to the individual recruiter. And that, that number is made up through manning, market, propensity. And those are three things that you learn as a recruiter, how your goal is set up. So it, it's,
0: it's a team game as well, though. You're not, you may have a goal, but you also have people in that support chain who are trying to help you meet your goals as well right yes it's yes. not it's not just a solo effort when we talk about obviously a recruiter at, at at office x even though you may be out in rural area there's a whole support chain can you just kind of talk to me a little bit about who's in that chain of command to support you um, through that process
2: so usually we work a lot with our flight like if you knew a flight member was struggling and you were more one of the recruiters that would have a little bit extra more flow than that person you would try to help them out and be like hey I've got a lot of applicants that I'm working right now, and your wait time's gonna be a little bit longer, which it would be. This recruiter over here doesn't have as many applicants. If you want to work with them, your process will be a lot quicker because you don't have to wait in line. So that's a good way for support. You have your flight chief as well. They'll be coming out and doing office visits on you to make sure that you're hitting all those areas to where you're gonna be successful to make that goal. So doing your school visits, going out there and zone canvassing and zone prospecting, doing your telephone prospecting, making sure you're doing all the things that will help you get to goal.
0: So we've talked a lot about being out on the streets and actually recruiting and some of the pros and the cons. I wanted to talk a little bit about recruiting school and how you get trained uh, to be a recruiter. So I know the training is here in San Antonio. Um, Could you go a little bit in depth a little bit and talk about the curriculum and the things you kind of mentioned it earlier in the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, some of the things that you learn, but can you kind of talk through how that process looks like from from start to finish as you um,
1: get picked for DSD recruiting and and come into the career field? Sure. So recruiting school is located at Lackland and it is for seven weeks and um, you learn various things like like I mentioned before, our features and benefits of the Air Force. Um, We also learn how to sell the Air Force and it's another acronym, it's called IMPACT. IMPACT is used to, it's kind of like a foundation you use to guide applicants in joining the Air Force. So um, after you learn that sales process, you maybe learn um, uh, public speaking as well, and you'll also learn how to use something called AFRIS. AFRIS is our database into where how we uh, put people in the Air Force as well. So So you talk a little bit about
0: you know, the public speaking, we talked about that a little bit and how to sell. Um, How much training do you get? Like, what kind of instructors are coming in to kind of teach you those? I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I'm a staff sergeant or I'm a tech sergeant. I I know about the pay and benefits, but I I think there's probably a lot more to it, right? It's some pretty in-depth instruction.
1: Oh, very much so. I mean, for example, when I was a recruiter, after a person says they want to join, however, you can't, you have to have certain questions to probe. In recruiting school, you're taught on how to probe and actually sell certain things that you know, that they're needing but which they don't even know. So, for example, why do you want to join the air force? Some may say, I don't know. Seriously, can you please expound on why you're here at my office?
2: I wanna I wanna go to school.
1: you wanna school? So how are you gonna pay for school?
2: I don't know how I wanna pay for school. So
1: why why well, first of all, why do you want to go to school?
2: so i can have a better future a better
1: future so when you say you have want a better future what do you mean by that can you paint that i just want to be
2: successful i want to have enough money to be able to support myself and maybe a small family so
1: you're saying you're wanting wanting money so you could support your family right
2: ding 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 right
1: there you go so uh once we find one covered those needs we could support them with the benefits and whatnot so so
0: kind of what you did there, a little bit of a role play there, but is that kind of like the processes that you go through in the training as they teach you how to figure out what motivates maybe a certain person to, to want to join the, the, the Air Force um, so that that's really that's really great. And, and what kind of uh, training do you get? Like, do you end up having to give like public presentations or anything? How does that work?
2: So you'll actually do um, different types of presentations where you'll either do it in front of a group of teachers, or you're going to do it in front of a group of students. So you're going to target your speeches to those groups of members. You also will go through sales labs. So you'll have a phone lab where you're going to go through and ask a, a prospective applicant on questions to try to get them to come to your office is the main goal. And then um, the next type of lives you're going to have is it's a mock office. Like you're sitting in a, a mock recruiting chair. You have applicants coming in. Um, they're, you're going to have steps that you're going to have to be able to follow um, with the impact training for our selling course. And then you are also going to have different interruptions. You might have somebody that comes in and be like, I got the pizza for you, and you're going to have to try to get them out of there so you can keep doing your, your appointment. So there's different things that, that incorporate for the training. But it's it's to try to get you prepared for what your actual office is going to be like because it's going to be the same way you're maybe in the middle of an appointment and you're going to have some random person on the street walk in and want to sell you hair products and you have to tell them sorry no soliciting and push them out of there.
0: So after you get done with recruiting school, how does that process look? Obviously, uh, needs of the Air Force, but there's. There's over a 1,000 places that you could go as a recruiter. So how does that process work? I got picked for DSD. I'm going to be a recruiter. I go to training at Lackland. I do my seven weeks of training. But how am I actually assigned um, to a location? Do I have any kind of say in that process? What is that
1: entire? How does that look? Of course. Of course. So AETC will send you a list of assignments of what is available. And then the member will rack and stack... Uh, the locations based on priority preferences and whatnot. Uh, however, AETC uses certain criteria to get certain assignments based off your list. So they use time on station, they use uh, joint spouse, they use overseas returnees. It's kind of like fantasy football. So if you if you don't get a certain assignment, then they move down the list and, and that's pretty much how it works. So. so you talked a little bit earlier about different tiers. Uh,
0: inside of recruiting there's tier one uh, two and three actually
1: so could you kind of break those down and what that really means sure sure so tier one that's your normal enlisted sessions recruiter they're out there in the schools and on the streets and putting people in the Air Force tier two career fields uh, some of those are production careers Um, however uh, a lot of them are support career fields to support the recruiter so uh, just to start off with, with production recruiters uh, for Tier 2. Those are your health professions recruiters. They recruit nurses, doctors, surgeons, dentists. Um, they're also That also contains uh, recruiters that recruit officers as well for pilots, uh, line officers, and whatnot. And then you do have, oh, excuse me, overseas re- recruiters too. So recruiters that are in Guam or Japan or Europe. Um, a lot of those that you need Meps experience, so which leads me into the support career fields. So, uh, a person could work at Meps. A person can do training uh, and marketing. Those are jobs to train recruiters and kind of put on marketing events for the recruiters in the field. Operations career fields as well. They're more so with the waivers and booking jobs and whatnot. So I know we're both tier two, uh, Megan and myself. So. Um, it's, oh, and then Tier 3. Okay, so Tier 3, those are your supervisory career fields. So those are your flight chiefs. Those are your production superintendents. They are the ones that oversees recruiters and pro soups, They oversee uh, flight chiefs. So. so I saw your note in here about um, transitioning
0: to a career recruiter and how that the recruiting uh, DSD is... The only one of the 11 that transitions into a career field, all the rest are just one assignment and back um, to where they came from. But recruiters have the option to stay. Can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that and and what kind of um, factors go into that? Like, is that just an individual's choice or is that something like how the chain of command has to approve?
1: Sure. What does that look like? Sure. So if a person is in recruiting for a certain amount of time based off their if they have a five level or a seven level on their AFSC, and if they're within recruiting for a certain amount of time, their original AFSC goes away. So that's when you become a career recruiter. For example, me, I used to work on B-52s. I was out of my career field for a certain amount of time and a five level, and my AFSC went away, and which I'm totally fine with because I love recruiting. So, however, if a person were to... It's called RTF, Return to Force, um, because recruiters are technically on loan to us. So their, I want to say, biggest hurdle to stay in recruiting, but their biggest, their biggest hurdle is their career field managers, because I understand, we understand, we all have numbers to fill. Mm-hmm. So um, once a person gets near their their end of recruiting, they will fill something called the MOI. Uh, memorandum of intent that form gets forward to the flight chief and pro- production superintendent if you get a recommend staying recruiting that's amazing um, however if uh, it, it goes up to your career field manager and it's really on them because technically you're still all known to us so if they say yes well we keep you another three three four years however if uh, if the career field manager says no then you got to go back. Well, and you know we talk about staying,
0: but for those who do their their one tour, um, you know, in the tier one bracket, and then go back to their career field, what what are what are they taking back to the Air Force, you know, to their operational career field as a recruiter? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, getting experience outside of your career field is always a good thing. I think that that. I think is looked upon favorably from a WAPS promotion and promotion testing career field. But I'm talking about like, what are you taking away from being a recruiter that you can take back to security forces or avionics or whatever job that you came from? What are you taking back?
2: So, like you said earlier, it helps you with promotion. It shows that you were able to step out of your career field. But I think that um, I was a very young staff sergeant coming out of security forces into recruiting. I've matured a lot in this four years, um, being able to be able to get out there and talk in front of people, um, associate with parents, um, being able to talk to leadership because I was in a high-vis area where I had a lot of colonels and chiefs. I would have been that young staff sergeant that would have probably tried to hide in the corner if a, a colonel or a chief came in. But now you become comfortable. You get that confidence <clears throat> to be able to, t- to talk and be able to present yourself. So I think that helps a lot going back to your career field. And you've got all those tools that you learned about Air Force benefits. Going back to your career field to be able to mentor airmen, you have all those tools that you can take back to help your airmen with maybe its education benefits and where they need to go to get all that information to be able to take and apply for their schooling. So you have a little bit more than what you would have had if you were staying in your career field.
0: So when you look at the recruiting career field as a whole, even when you decide perhaps to even get out of the Air Force if you've done a tour in recruiting, I think that it has some great opportunities um, skill set-wise that you learn that you can apply to civilian
1: life as well, right? Very true, very true. So as recruiters, we are salesmen and saleswomen. So if, if you like that, um, I know a lot of businesses and companies out there, we are prime candidates to them. So I know... I know a lot of realtors in San Antonio, so I know my realtor, he actually helped me uh, find my house and he was a recruiter. So um, my previous supervisor, she's a realtor now. So, um, and you know, when I did the marketing job, um, I worked with a lot of sports teams too and I actually enjoy that a lot. So working with sports teams, help brand the Air Force and if you could do that for the Air Force, I mean, I want to see why not you could do that for a Fortune 500 company. So. When you look at
0: recruiting as a whole, right, the AATC mission is to recruit, train, and educate airmen to deliver 21st century air power. Well, obviously, you can't get to the train and educate part without the recruit part first. And so, obviously, it, it's easy to see how that recruit part ties into the bigger Air Force mission as a large because you can't really do anything without first getting those recruits into the front door and getting them into Lackland to basic military training, but first they have to go through that accessioning pipeline. But when you look at how recruiting um, fits into that Air Force big picture, um, what are the things that you think
2: about? Um, big thing is our, our number one resource is our people. So you as a recruiter, um, average recruiter can bring anywhere from 80 to 150 airmen into the Air Force that could almost be an entire squadron, so you have a big impact on the on the Air Force itself because you're replenishing our forces and um, being able to bring that next generation of Air Force airmen into the Air Force.
0: Well, and you talked about it a little bit earlier. You talked about how those recruiters really are kind of that tip of the spear of being the Air Force brand. They are telling the Air Force story in a lot of areas. Uh, of this country that maybe don't know that much about the Air Force. I I remember from when I came in, you know, my recruiter painted a, a big picture of the Air Force and it was all positive, but there was no other Air Force representation out there. So how, how, how awesome is that? And, and I, I was curious, um, you know, you both have been out kind of a frontline recruiter, but what, what's your best feel-good goosebump story about a recruit that either you were really proud about or that you knew, wow, I think this this is a big deal?
2: I had a kid. Um, he went to one of the lower-income schools here in San Antonio um, to the point where they pay for all the kids' lunches. They give them all school supplies. He came to me. He kept losing weight, and I was like, what can we do? What can we do to make it better? And, um we were waiting for him to graduate school, it got so bad that his mom didn't know how they were going to turn on the light bells, um, like to turn on the lights for their house. Um, as soon as he graduated high school, we were able to get him a job to leave that very next week. So, getting him into the airport, getting him out of the situation that he was in because they, were, they lived um, day to day is what it felt like for him. And he had trouble getting to my office, I had to go to his school to do his visits just because he didn't have transportation to come see me. So. Watching him now, and he called me from the airport on his way to his first duty station just to thank me um, because he was like, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for you, Sergeant Robert. So, those are the warm fuzzies you can get working with applicants like that. Yeah,
1: so, I guess for, as far as stories goes, I, I would just reflect upon my story. So, I come from a fairly rough neighborhood, uh, the city, uh, the city is Richmond, California. And you guys have heard of Coach Carter before, that movie? Yes, I grew up in that city where that that, uh, that movie took place as, far as a background. So um, I, I did try college for a little bit, decided, and it wasn't really for me. Um, I had a part-time job. And, you know, I saw that working at Old Navy just could only bring me so far. So I, I did join, and uh, I uh, went through the basic training tech school, became working on airplanes and whatnot. and. Uh, you know, at that time, school wasn't for me. However, uh, years going forward, I mean, I do have my MBA in marketing. Uh, my undergrad is in HR and two CCFs, so four degrees is not too bad. And I did not pay one dime for it. So I really thank the Air Force for that. So
0: uh, we'll kind of wrap it up here, but my last question would be for, for both of you if, if you know, Airman X or Sergeant X called Sergeant Roberts or Sergeant Manuel and said, "I'm really on the fence, like about this whole recruiting thing. I'd rather, you know, go do something else." What would you say to to Person X about your experience as a recruiter?
2: I loved my time enlisted session recruiting. I love my time now in tier two recruiting as well. But the things that you get to do in recruiting is is awesome. Like, what better than changing lives? That's the best part of this job is you know that you're changing somebody's life for the better. So you can't say that for a lot of jobs.
1: Yeah. I would say, I mean, it's a great way to invest in yourself. Yes, it's going to be tough. Yes, there will be challenges and trying times. However, during those times, is that's when you become polished and you become a, person, a better person because of it. Without recruiting, uh, before recruiting, I was very very passive, I sat in my corner, I'm good. Now I could talk and listen, I could, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. So that's all I'm recruiting did a lot for me. Well, I wanna thank both of you for your time today.
2: Thank, thank you, you for having Thanks us. So, much.
0: so there you have it, lots to take in in the world of recruiting, the DSD process and what it takes to be a successful recruiter. We wanna say thank you to Technical Sergeant Roberts and Technical Sergeant Manuel, for dropping all their knowledge on us today and thanks for tuning in here today on episode two of the developing mach 21 Airmen podcast as we dive into the world of recruiting training and education as a reminder you can follow air education and training command via social media on facebook at air education and training command twitter at aet command and Instagram, as well as on the web at www.aetc.af.mil. For our entire AETC Public Affairs staff, I'm Dan Hawkins. So long, we'll talk to you next time on Developing Mach 21 Airmen.